all in our hands. Has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California. What a joy, honor, and privilege to be with you all once again. And right here, right now, I have the opportunity, the distinct honor right here, right now, to be speaking to one of the uh, voices of extreme pro wrestling, the voice of extreme pro wrestling, one of the most, if not the most underrated play-by-play guy in the history of the wrestling business. He is the one, he is the only, Chris Kloss. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing good. Uh, Pleasure being on here. Thanks for having me. Thank you, sir. It's a real thrill for me. And um as per usual, Chris, on the show, the first question always is, when you're a young man, how did you become a fan of professional wrestling? Um, I actually was never a fan. I just needed a job one day, and I, I applied for a wrestling announcer. The end. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, you know, I I remember I'm, I'm 40, just turned 46 in February, and uh, I... Um, I was a child of the eighties, definitely. And um, I'll, I'll say this. I remember my dad kind of casually watching wrestling and I remember him. I don't know how we had it because we didn't have like major cable TV yet, but uh, I remember we had, he was watching wrestling and it was Bob Backlund was a champion. And I don't know how, cause no one was watching wrestling then, it, you know, unless you were in that territory. So there was something called on TV and select TV. And this was like this big switch that you had like on the back of your television. And it would be like this precursor to HBO and the Z channel and all that, uh, which went out of business too. But um, I remember him watching that. And I remember him having on world-class, world-class championship wrestling from, from Dallas, Texas. And that wrestling, I remember like, thinking oh wait a minute whoa this is this is heavy duty stuff here you know this is and then of course you know the advent of mtv um the the war to settle the score remember that on mtv and oddly enough that happened on my birthday february 18th so i remember that it would happen on my birthday uh madison square garden but uh so i kind of was a casual fan in the mid 80s and you know everyone at school i mean 85 86 87 are you kidding me of course everyone was talking about but but um it was water cooler talk right for even the non-wrestling fan back then really and um so all right i'm watching with everybody and then as i go into middle school junior high we'll call it at the time i was kind of picking it up a little more then like SummerSlam 89 was my first pay-per-view i ordered uh the first event i ever went to was october of 1988 at a house show at the la sports arena of course that was the the no more it's all gone now unfortunately the sports arena is torn down but the home of wrestlemania two and seven and uh so i i went to that's when i really started picking up on it but what i do remember is when i was in high school you know when you're in high school everyone starts growing out of wrestling and I just went the exact opposite. 
I just said something about this industry now on a different level uh, grabbed me. I love the tongue in cheek. I love the mean jeans, the gorilla monsoons um, and the, 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 the heels like Mr. Perfect, Ravishing Rick Rude and, and Rick the Model Martel. I think he is not ranked in that category at the, the heel Shawn Michaels and all. I think Rick Martel really gets overlooked as that cocky heel. But, but anyway, I digress. Um, <clears throat> I just remember though that character Martel, like as a kid, like this is hilarious. This is awesome. This is this is a guy that's proud to be a douchebag. Like it's just great, man. You know, and uh, and he has no clue that he's a douchebag, right? <laughs> but um, <laughs> but but uh, but no. And then I'll tell you what the the what one telling moment in my life was. I went we went to a house show at the sports arena, and uh, it's on YouTube, by the way. The the HBO movie channel. I don't know if you guys remember in Australia, there is a channel called the Z channel. Did you remember that hearing of that? Uh, <clears throat> so, so the two big cable companies that started off uh, movie channels was HBO and the Z channel, A to Z, Z. And, and so the Z channel partnered with the WWF because they wanted to do something with them on the West coast as the WWF was doing MSG network stuff for, for Madison square garden and the Spectrum Network for Philly, Maple Leaf Garden. So the Z Channel was doing, hey, when WWF comes to the LA Sports Arena or Phoenix, Arizona, or San Francisco Cow Palace, we're gonna broadcast those on the Z Channel. There were still house shows like MSG Network. So October of 88, 1988 on YouTube, the Z Channel, WWF at the LA Sports Arena. That was my first show I ever went to. And, but then into like, I, I wanna say it was somewhere in 1990, um, my buddies and I, my mom took us to the sports arena and, uh, on the way home, I remember this, my mom said, Hey, are you okay? What's everything? All right. I'm like, Oh yeah. Why? And she goes, you weren't watching the wrestling. And I'm, and I, right when she said that I realized, I remember I was so fixated on watching the people around me because I would go to the sports arena. That's where the LA Clippers played. I would go to the forum the Great Western Forum, the Fabulous Forum. That's where the Lakers used to play. We used to go to Laker games all the time. Went to a few Clipper games. But, um, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, and I'm, we're talking the Lakers Showtime Magic Johnson era like this. Very fortunate to have grown up in this city and witnessed that, right? But, um, but anyway, as a kid, we go to the games and we would be surrounded by 16,000, 70,000 people. And I remember as a kid, I look at the people at wrestling and I'm like, these people are reacting the exact same way as if we go to a Laker game or go to a Clipper game or go to a Dodger game. <clears throat> and that, and my mom noticed I was, she thought I was just something was wrong and I was something on my mind. But I was like, I was looking at the people and mom, can you believe it? These people, they do the same thing for the Lakers, but it's not real, you know? <laughs> and, and, and it was like, I wanted to be, that was a point where I wanted to be on that side of the curtain. And now going into high school, which was 1990, 91 was my freshman year. That now it was like, oh, okay. Now I love it already, but now this is captivating me and on a totally different level. And again, I was a class clown, the tongue in cheek wrestling. I would, uh, um, the, when we were in middle school, the, the high school, wrestling team came and they were showing everybody exhibition right and they had volunteers get up and i and i did you know the rick flair the woo, 
like it was collegiate wrestling, right? <laughs> and so, so from an early age, I just like, I kind of like, okay, I, I get this and I love this. And, and it, it was, you, you begin to eat, sleep and breathe something you love. And that's what I did. And, and so I, I really um, got it at an early age. I mean, I just picked up what they did for the TV taping and there's a few tapings in Long Beach for superstars where I knew where the hard cam was. And I went there and I was all over TV and all that. And, and um, I was like the only one in the audience doing that in 93, right? Everyone was, it was boring. It was bad time in the business, but um, no, man, it was, uh, it was just something I loved and I gravitate to. And then, and then I, I eventually got into the business. Right. Awesome. Well, that, that just leads me straight into the next question. How, how do you find your way from going from <laughs> fan to getting into the wrestling business? And, and was it always to be involved uh, as an announcer or did you have other aspirations as well? How did you find your way in? Well, I, I you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm six foot three. I'm, I'm a 210, 205 pounds. So I, I've always asked that you know, like, how come you never became a wrestler? And I, you know what, I, I don't have an answer. Like, I just wanted to be in the business. And uh, I'm not, I'm not a brawler. I'm not a fighter. You know, I've been maybe few fights in my life on one hand, I can count, you know, and maybe have a couple fingers left over. But, but um, I, I was, um, I, I was basketball player and all that. And, um, but I loved, I loved the Fink, Howard Finkel. And I would do, ladies and gentlemen, like I would, I would always impersonate the Fink, right? And um, I get in trouble for it at school, at work and all that. But, uh, but, but I, so the announcing, I just started doing it. And then I went, I, I applied WWF. It was very difficult then because I, nobody, I didn't do anything yet. And, and I sent in a tape of me doing a Howard Finkel impersonation and they got back to me thanks but no thanks and all that so it was just kind of evolved like maybe i can do ring announcing somewhere <clears throat> and in the southern i'm i live in grew up in the san fernando valley and in in, in uh california in los angeles um just north north la you could call it but um <clears throat> i i was um i luckily there was this run-of-the-mill place in in a, in a city called sun valley it's called slammers wrestling gym this place was one of a kind. It was in an undescript area and an undescript location, an undescript old garage, basically. It was in Garage Row, very industrial area, train tracks. And it was just this little garage that was made into a wrestling gym. And uh, there was the late, great Dynamite D from XPW. Um, he, back in the early 90s, had a cable radio network. That's how it was, kids. Cable radio, where you tune the TV to just words, and it was a radio station. And it was a call-in show called Wrestle Talk. And so he was doing that show, and then he was part of this place called Slammers. So I go to Slammers, I check it out. And keep in mind, man, this place, my friend, let me tell you, when you walked into the lobby, everybody from the Who's Who, Bobby Heenan, from Terry Funk, Iron Mike Sharp, Jesse Ventura, like it was a respect thing that guys in the know, Sting, Lex Luger, Jim Cornette, you name it, were up on the wall in the lobby. Like, like a Jewish or Italian restaurant has all the celebrities up. Like seriously, that's, yeah, that's how it was. 
and um and um um i it was a respect thing like when the wcw come to town wwf would come to town a lot of the old timers would visit slammers kind of out of respect that there's a place like this that's teaching kids it's, it's holding little shows not like it is today where now everything is competition it's like back then it was actually kind of like an nba team coming in and oh let's support this little high school not like oh that's my rival it's just become this way you know but but yeah so so that place existed dynamite d was one of the star wrestlers for sure very underrated talent by the way um but he had a falling out with the, the head of Slammers. His name was Vern Langdon. So Dynamite D, along with a guy named Kevin Kleinrock, referee Patrick Hernandez, formed what was called the SCCW, Southern California Championship Wrestling. So they were starting to go around doing shows. And I saw a sh an ad in the newspaper for pro wrestling in Sun Valley, like maybe 10 miles from where I lived at the time, eight or 10 miles. And um, so I went to the show. After the show was over, I'm like, hey, guys, do you need a ring announcer? And they're like, yeah, actually we do. Cause we're using this, the high school route, we're using the coach. And he was, and I did the little fink thing. He goes, dude, you're in, you're in. And I go, okay, what do I do first as Patrick Hernandez? And he goes, all right, yeah, you ready? You ready? I'll, I'll show you what you need to do first. Take the ring apart, put it in the truck. <laughs> so, so that, but that's the business. That's the business, right? You pay your dues. And um, I can't tell you how valuable that was later on, but, um, but so SCCW, long story short, became an XPW. Rob Black, uh, head of Extreme Associates, porn company at the time, and adult entertainment in the late 90s, a lot different than now. It was big money business back then, right? <clears throat> and um, so he had a relationship, you probably know this, with Paul Heyman, where he was supplying his girls, for like the ring girls and all this, and he was going to orchestrate eventually promoting shows on the west coast for ecw but then Heyman and Ra. if you know both these guys how you say your name killer california Cal uh, california california yeah okay cool um <laughs> from california california okay so so um but but rob black and paul you just knew eventually eventually it was they're just they're really at the end of the day, they're too similar, believe yeah. it or not. Right. And very similar. And, and so, you know, it didn't work out. So Rob um, wanted to have a, um, a, a, a achieve a, um, uh, when you have, when you have a successful side business, you know, uh, um, I forget, I'm sorry, forgive me. I can't remember the exact term for it. Um, and also to create his own wrestling company. He went to Anaheim, the Arrowhead Pond, where WrestleMania 12 and 16 were held for a house show. And we were passing out flyers there. So he got a flyer on his card. Next thing you know, he calls Kevin up, an SCCW flyer. Next thing you know, uh, Kevin calls us all up and says, guys, uh, we're going to meet at Patrick Hernandez's house and his mom's house. And, um, and we, uh, we all signed contracts one year out of XPW launching a, a disclosure contract. We cannot talk about this. Uh, you're really not allowed to work for anybody. If you do, you're not on board later on, you know, and all this. And I mean, it's WWE, of course, right. Or what WCW. And that was it. That was, that was summer of 98. 
And, and so we launched in summer of 99, July, and that was it. And then when we launched, we recorded the show. Uh, Rob and Kevin, we did the uh, announcing and post-production, most of it back then. So we're at the office and Rob's like, okay, Klaus, go in there and call the matches. You need to call the matches. I'm like, boy, I'm, I'm the ring announcer. He goes, yeah, it doesn't matter. Where It's not live right now. Yeah, but it makes no sense if I'm in the ring and I'm calling. And they're like, oh, okay, we'll get, a new ring. We'll, we'll get another ring announcer. Just go call the matches. So, oh, whoa. So just like that, I became play-by-play. And, and believe me, California, um, that I, I cringe when I watch the old stuff because I was green as grass, <laughs> you know? And, and, and that was literally, I was, you know, tossed the kid into the pool. That was when you hear me on the original XPW, that was the first time I ever called wrestling because uh, I was a ring announcer prior to that. And, um, and the rest, dude, is history, man. I, I, um, I, I bled, sweat, and believed, as we all did, in XPW. That was our baby. And, that was, and it was so different than what we were used to, just on a, on a different level. It, was, it felt so, it was such a, so much pressure now when the television, and, and welcomed pressure. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just painting the picture of how, how important it was to do a good job now. And really, you're a fan. You you love this, and that's great. But you got to treat this like a business and like a job now, and 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 have fun with it at the same time. You know. Absolutely, bro. Thanks for that, like uh, history lesson there on how it kind of built up. That was really great stuff. Uh, and uh, one thing I did want to say was, a lot of people don't actually realize how difficult commentary is. Uh, one time I did a local show here by myself. It was a market oh, yeah. show. So it was, uh, you know, uh, a set of matches at this time. And then later on at this time, I did 14 matches in one day by myself. And at the end of it, I was like, I don't know how some of these guys do this. Cause that was, that was incredibly difficult to get through. Um, so yeah, props to you. And, and obviously Thank practice you. makes perfect. And, and one thing I wanted to bring up, you know, We've talked about, you know, July 99 and, and, and the beginning of XPW. Um, the process of recording post-production commentary, and I've, uh, I just spoke to uh, your good friend, uh, Mr. Larry Rivera, the other day, uh, uh, and he said to say, how you doing, Chico? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, I want to ask about Larry eventually coming in and... Uh, the process of post-production commentary from start to finish and the most frustrating and most rewarding aspects of it. Okay. Uh, the most frustrating is sometimes it's just time. It just takes a long time uh, to get it right. Uh, when you call an event live, that's it. You know, one take, you get one take with it. And when you do call it in the post-production, you have the luxury of, maybe okay now i'm going to perfect that part you know uh so there's the like there's there's pros and cons to both uh but the the live announcing i feel it's it's um i think larry probably shared this with you it's like we did it live but most of them we did post uh but with the live you can feel that the energy a little bit more when you're in post-production, you really got to turn it on because we're, we're there the way we worked, which I'm sure he told you too. 
once the once the wrestling started in the office, that was because it was nightfall. The the adult was during the day, business was done, everybody basically clocked out, and and then the wrestling, the promos, and all this stuff. And that's when Larry and I came in to call that week's matches, and to do the wraparounds in front of the the, the set and all that. And um, right, and so those were late nights, man. And um, and we were tired, and and but it was you know I loved doing it. We were fun, but there were long days. So really, we had to turn the dials, you know, as Spinal Tap would say, all the way to 11, you know, <laughs> and, and really kind of act, act as if we were there live. So that, that part can be demanding. Um, and, and I think that, if anything else, in, in the, you know, the long hours and how, let's, let's talk this because the storyline here, let's talk that. It's just basically the, the length of it is the only complaint I would have for calling anything post-production. Um, and and the, uh, the natural excitement level uh, is, is, I don't know, maybe I'm, I could see it, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's some fans that can kind of, you know, that doesn't sound live, that sounds post. I'm sure there are those that can, that can feel that as well. That would, be, that would be my biggest complaint post, but again, the advantages of, um, oh, you know what? That was actually a tornado power bomb, not a spine buster. So let me go back and <laughs> you know <laughs> stuff like that. And and you're right. Like when you call it live and by yourself, there's so much going on in your head. One, you you got to you you have to make it make sense. You can't go off script as far as what the what the uh, angle is where the story is leading to or what happened leading up to this match that you're calling right now. You got to have all that in your head. And some of the announcers that I grew up idolizing, I'll, I'll be honest with you, that right there came from not a wrestling announcer, but that came from the great uh, Los Angeles Laker play-by-play announcer, Chick Hearn. He was always big on having notes right there with him not relying on a statistician to give him something. We don't have that. We don't have no statisticians at XBW. So, so we, um, we, we, I would, I would live is, is a lot of pressure. And I mean, now my goodness, there, there are every year, it's like, there's a hundred more moves now, you know, <laughs> there's so many new moves, which I like, I like uh, brushing up on that because it's like, you just learn more. You can always learn more in this business in life, right? Um, so you know you got to get that right. You got to have your excitement level up, and you have to have it make sense again, past, present, where we are now. Um, but that's a challenge that I love, and I always welcome. And um, and I love the old school where I'm always talking like this is real. Like like I feel now that there's some announcers that are um, kind of winking to the audience. Like, um, I, I, you know, I know that this is not real, right? Kind of vibe with the announcers. And, and it's like, you don't, you don't have to do that and to wink at the audience. Like, like biggest complaint that I've, I've heard uh, from people is when I've been doing some shows locally, which I'll talk about, uh, Millennium Pro Wrestling, MPW in Chatsworth, California. But um, those guys are like, they've gone through announcers, right? And I'm, and I'm working for Logan X, he, he heads it, and him and I go way back, right? And um, they're like, they brought me in and said, Klaus, you know, the announcers that we're getting now, 
they're acting like they're watching pro wrestling in their living room. They're not acting as if they're watching and narrating a real sporting event anymore. Like, so, so he said, our, our product is kind of falling flat because of that. And they have these angles where the, you know, the, the voodoo has possessed their soul. And like, you, you still got to talk like it's real, man. And, and I love that. Like, I'll send you some, I'll send you a clip of, of a recent show where one guy was possessed and he had to come back and they tried to possess his friend. And my God, no, like they're, they're playing with a man's soul. This is not <laughs> right. Morally, this is not right, you know? And, and, oh God, you know, and that's, that is every, the audience is going to roll their eyes at that, but David Copperfield will never say, Hell, oh, by the way, this is pretend, you know? And, and, um, and I think that's, I honestly, I think that it's not totally gone, but it's, it's an art form to do that. And I, and I appreciate it for, for an art form and, and I will do my, my best to carry and, and be the blip on the radar that I am in the wrestling world to do a good job for this business that has given us so much. Cause when you and I are gone, this business is going to keep going. And it was, and it was here long before you and I were here. You know, so it's a privilege. Excellent, bro. Thank you again for that insight. Interesting stuff. I wanted to talk about the early days of XPW, specifically 1999, because I kind of feel like this is a portion of XPW that always seems to be kind of forgotten about those early days because, yeah. you know, so much happened in 2000, 2001, et cetera. Um, you know, all, all the... Uh, I guess, uh, infamous things that XPW have been heard about or, or known for. Um, but these early days, you have your core originals like Damien Steele, Dynamite D, Supreme, Johnny Webb, Homeless Jimmy, Kid Chaos. Um, what were the shows like back then? Because when I interviewed Messiah, he kind of talked to me about how like this felt kind of like a, it was like a family atmosphere. You guys were all like this, this, this family that were taking on the world. Um, and how important was it to have guys like Big Dick Dudley and the Pitbulls and Cronus on board at that time? Yeah, very good question. Thank you for asking. Um, yeah, you're right. It is, it's a chunk of the history that kind of gets overlooked. And I think primarily the reason for that was because the television didn't come into play until April of uh, 2000. So tell we we got TV we got syndicated on America One uh, and in LA it was the syndicate was KJLA and uh, <clears throat> and so we were in pockets of North America at the time uh, not all over but wherever the America One network was so I mean we were on in LA but let's say we're not on in Vegas oh but we're on in Phoenix and we're on in Cincinnati but we're not on in St Louis like it was scattered all over it was kind of interesting. Um, and when we got on, I mean, we were sandwiched. It was WWF, uh, what was the show? Not Jacked? Was that the name of the show? Or what was the show yeah, before uh, that? Jacked uh, or Metal, uh, Superstar. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, some of those. I want to say it started, there was one that started with an A. Um, um, I, Super Astros or? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we, we, you know, the B show, WWF, it was 10 o'clock them. 11 o'clock XPW TV and 12 o'clock ECW. Okay. So that was, that was the lineup. So my goodness, we couldn't ask for anything better. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so, I mean, that is the number one reason why pre-July, uh, March, April of 2000, it just, it's just this kind of lost history. We had the home videos. We had the um, hardcore conception. That's again, what I, I cringe on that. That was my first <laughs> calling anything, man. But um, baptizing blood and all that. So you had the home videos, but no, there wasn't, there wasn't the, the, the natural, uh, you know, weekly TV show storyline and all that. It felt big at that time. We felt like we were on to something like Billy said, shout out to him and all the guys you mentioned right there from and the late great Dynamite D, Supreme, all, all of them, uh, Johnny Webb, uh, Jimmy, all of them. And uh, we were, we felt like we were on to something uh, and it felt much bigger than SECW, but it didn't feel as big as until we got television. And, and that's actually when Rivera came in because they wanted to get a color guy for me, uh, play by play myself, color commentator him. And um, that wasn't, sorry, Rivera, that wasn't a racial thing when I said a color guy. I don't, I don't want you to think that Rivera gets very sensitive about these things with Rivera. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I digress. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, we want to get a color commentator, play by play, because before that it was just solo myself uh, on the home videos. And uh, so once that kicked in, simultaneously, we now starting to do shows at the LA Sports Arena. Big jump, huge jump from nothing wrong with Reseda Country Club and nothing wrong with the Palace in Hollywood. That was an iconic place right on the corner of Hollywood and Vine. Big deal to get in there. But dude, we're talking now we're at the LA Sports Arena. That's basically like Madison Square Garden I mean, WrestleMania two and seven, right? So, and internationally, people know about that arena because of those WrestleManias, right? So, so what a, what a big deal to get in there. And this is where a lot of us guys went to go see uh, WWF. I was at WrestleMania seven. I didn't go to two because it was a freaking school night. Unbelievable. But because uh, it was on a Monday, it was a school day and school night. Like, oh God, that was, come on come on parents, you know, looking back on it, but, uh, but, but no, so that, that history, it was great, but it was a, it was a big feeling out process, 99, early 2000. And it was good that we had that. It was good looking back that we did not have TV right away. It was, it was a blessing in disguise. We needed that feeling out process from myself, Rivera, to the referees, to the wrestlers, to backstage, everything. So it was kind of fitting and, and uh, synchronistic how television happened then. Big Dick Dudley, John Cronus, the Pitbulls, Missy Hyatt, very, very important to have on those shows because it set us apart from what everybody else was doing locally, which really back then, man, there really wasn't this indie scene like at all that there was now. Like it was, it was, nothing basically but there still was stuff going on and immediately that set us apart but what xpw was careful about doing we're not going to just bring these guys in put them over and make our money with them they are going to be incorporated with the messiahs the chaoses the supremes the white trash on web the jimmies and and the list goes on dynamite these phenomenal fill all that so so that was that was very important and um and yeah, we did need them. And what's funny too, 
just the scope of look how big wrestling was in 1999. XPW uh, closed its doors in 2003, still big, but for us to get the same amount of fans, we had to bring in Shane Douglas, Chris, uh, uh, Chris Candido, uh, Jerry Lynn, Juventud Guerrera, Super Crazy, um, uh, Psychosis, Shark Boy, uh, uh, and I'm missing some like uh, Danny Doring. Uh, all these guys that were big, big names. But in 1999, oh, Big Dick Dugley, John Cronus, that's it. And, and it was, and it was, oh my gosh, it was such a big deal, those few names. And then you fast forward, you realize like, ooh, it's, it's waning a little bit. Now you need to get that times 10 to get the same amount of fans now in 03. So XPW, you know, really wasn't around that long, but it was around in a pivotal time in the business because we came in when it was still basically the Attitude Era and Kayfabe was very alive and running still then. We saw such a shift and a change between 99 and 03. It was amazing, the, the shift. Yeah, awesome, bro. Love hearing about all of that. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it, it, it's a really good point. Like you needed that portion of time to iron out the kinks in the armor before getting being ready for television. So that's really cool to hear about. Um, and obviously, look, I have to bring it up. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't bring it up. Uh, I've, I've asked Messiah his side of the story. I've asked Larry Rivera his side of the story. Uh, we're talking about Heatwave 2000. Um, oh. I loved Larry's version of events because I've had ECW referees. I've had New Jack on the show. I've had a whole bunch of guys that were uh, involved in the incident. <clears throat> um, but I've only had Larry and uh, Billy's side of the story XPW-wise. Um, yeah. Could you tell me a little bit about... Um, I guess ahead of time, knowing they're coming to, uh, you know, Los Angeles for this show, uh, what was like, I guess the, the plan ahead of time before the moment where the shit hit the fan? Well, um, I mean, there, there was not much of a plan. Um, but when we found out that they were coming to the West coast, Rob, Rob was like, no man no this is now it's on um because he was already if i get the timeline right he was already going uh at it with paul with lawsuits over sabu's name oh, yeah. uh and then he you know and then sabu was the champion and all that so it was a big deal and um of xpw and uh so they, there was lawsuits already going on and in his, and I think in, with the timeline, it was just like, now that the lawsuits are going on, now that we're on television, because uh, that's when, because you think about it, what, July of 2000, right? Oh, heat wave. Yeah. yeah. So we get, we get on TV March, April, early April of, of 2000, all of a sudden, and now the lawsuit with Rob and Paul and Sabu, um, now all of a sudden, of all the places, you know, <laughs> you know, they come to Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, man, there was, there were guys that took exception to it. Rob definitely took exception to it and no disrespect to the talent in ECW whatsoever. Uh, but because it wasn't their decision, it was, it was upper management's decision to do this, but I totally understand. You gotta, you gotta um, protect your backyard, you know? Um, 
the, the thing that I think the boys took exception to one, we are, uh, we are all in now for XPW. We're doing everything we can to make this a success. So now we have this competition coming to LA to kind of suppress us, right? And I think the exception, because I say no disrespect to the talent of ECW, but it felt like that this is not cool for the boys of XPW. It's a business move, office versus office. But at the end of the day, you there's guys that are now on the roster of XPW that now have this platform. And you're, you, you're coming over here to kind of suppress that and not give these guys a chance. It's kind of like when, when the, the XFL, you know, Vince McMahon, and people would knock the XFL, but nothing against the players and the coaches, which I, which I believe, right? And that's the same principle here. It was like, now the boys and myself and the referees, we're all gonna kind of get chopped down because they're afraid of this uh, competitive thing, or maybe they wanted to screw it to Rob, whatever. But it was no coincidence that they came to LA. It was, it was no coincidence. I mean, you know, they were East Coast. They venture a little into the Midwest, but that was it. You know, that was a jump right to Los Angeles of all places. And uh, they could have gone to Vegas, like anywhere, to, you know, but, um, but that was, that was so, you know, we took exception and that was it. We made the choice to go to the show and make our presence known. And, and Kevin Kleinrock, he bought the tickets. Uh, he stayed in line early morning, but you know, when you have, um, when you see a map of the arena, right? And, and you see where the aisleway is coming and where the seats are. So Kevin, it was just a 50-50 choice, flip of the coin. All right, the aisleway's here. So hard cam's either here or here. And he, he all right, I'm gonna go here. And he, he picked the wrong side, unfortunately. But that's understandable because you can gauge only, you only have two, two choices, you know, when you see the ramp and the map. So, so we were on the hard, same side as hard cam. It, I would have been a different, experience i think if we did manage to get on that opposite side that would have changed a lot of things about that day and event but man that was that was surreal it was um kind of an out-of-body experience when i was there and all the shit went down um but i was there and we were kind of like whispered to each other it was jimmy uh messiah billy uh chaos myself christy mist and supreme the six of us were ringside and um, we kind of like, we, we, hey, we don't want to disrespect the match. We're not going to do anything during the match, but we're also not going to do anything when they know they're off on doing a promo live on pay-per-view and they're not, they're, they're not uh, uh, focused on the arena. So when the, when the main event was announced, Tommy Dreamer, Just Incredible, and right when the bell rang, we did our thing because we didn't want to interrupt the match, but we wanted to be seen on television. Hey, whether you like it or not, that was the plan. All right. So we did what we did. And um, there's some XPW chants, but there are more ECW uh, loyal loyalists there for sure. Um, and and um, uh, myself, I was wearing an XPW shirt. And right away, Atlas Security and one of the wrestlers grabbed me and they wanted to pull me over the guard railing. Okay. Now, if you know anything about wrestling, once you go on that side, you are now trespassing. 
basically they're not going to get in trouble for anything they do to you. That's, that's how it is. So, so I knew this, man, I knew this and I knew that's what they were trying to do. So I basically like, they grabbed my shirt and I literally like slithered out of my shirt and, and came <laughs> out. So if you watch the footage, you see I'm shirtless and people will always ask me like, what the hell happened? Why are you shirtless? But that's the reason. And, um, and so we got escorted out at that point and we definitely made our presence known, you know, okay, fine. We did our job, but then that's when all hell really broke loose, man. Um, we got, we got separated out there in the streets of Los Angeles, the grand Olympic auditorium. And, um, it was, it was pretty bad, man. It was, and it, we were all outnumbered. I, I luckily came with, with, I got knocked to the ground by big Sal and, um, <laughs> Yeah. And he actually came up from behind me. He reached from behind and grabbed my shirt because I got my shirt back. He grabbed, he grabbed my shirt and like pulled me to the ground and whoa, I went to the ground. And at that point we were like, dude, we guys, we don't want any trouble. We're not, we're not here to cause any trouble. We're, we're just, we're just coming here. We paid our tickets and we're making our presence known, whether you like it or not, we, we don't want any trouble, you know, no disrespect and all this stuff. And, and I got out of there and you, you talk about adrenaline, dude. <laughs> so so i'm in my car and i'm driving back it's daylight still it was an early you know it was it was summer so it was light out i remember and uh dude i just like just in my mind what the hell just happened driving on the freeway like that was just live on pay-per-view like right now everyone's probably going ape shit about what just happened and it was and um you know would i do it again yeah i mean i mean as long as we don't take away from the boys and what they're doing that was that was a message to the the, the office the higher office of ecw and the decision to come out here right when we were gaining momentum really dude you have you have you fine you can come if you want but you have a ton of other cities across the nation you could go to you could come if you want of course you can but we can also do what we want and 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 if somebody if someone came to an xpw show which they did in philly I think it was CCW when they were first starting and they kind of did something or other. Dude, I have no problem with that. That's freedom of expression. You paid to come in here. It's not church. You don't have to stand and do it and then sit. Like, I'm all good with that, man. Because I, again, when I was a kid, I used to, in the camera and all that, like, I, I would be such a hypocrite if I ever said, you know, don't do that or whatever. But at the same time, we have the option now to escort you out when we want to, but you could do whatever you want. So, so I don't ever have a problem with that. And I'll never apologize for that because we never, I don't think we disrespected the boys. I think this was a move uh, and a message to the upper, the upper uh, higher ups in ECW. And look, at the end of the day, you know, throughout history, everybody does um, invasion angles because they're awesome. They're cool and people like them and awesome. Oh, but when it happens for real, oh, that was messed up. Dude, <laughs> I thought you guys, we, we freaking reenact this stuff for you because it's so cool <laughs> and it happened for real. But, but I will tell you, uh, California is um, throughout the time I've been doing the podcast, my own uh, extreme memories on the wrestling chatter, YouTube channel, subscribe on YouTube. Thank you. And, uh, but, um, but I've, I've had people write me and kind of talk fondly now about that, especially young, uh, young people 
that now are finding out, oh shit, that was real. Damn, like, like there are a lot of young people primarily that are very, been kind of curious, at least with me getting uh, in touch with me on Facebook, curious about that and kind of in disbelief that that happened like that. And I'm, and I'm saying, no, man, it's, that was real. And it's, they almost can't believe that that was real, you know? <laughs> Excellent, Brian. Yeah, that would be a fantastic story. Everyone's perspective or everyone's perspective of where they're at and what happened to them, it's, everything's different. And that's what I'm really enjoying about asking that question to everyone that was there on that day. I want to make a big video uh, with everyone's answers uh, to it on oh, cool. our channel. I think that'll be interesting. I just need to get a few more people. Um, but <clears throat> I'm probably nearing about 15 to 20 people now. Wow, um, that, I, I, that sounds awesome, man. I'd like, yeah, I definitely would be interested in seeing that, being a part of it, or just that that's a great, that, that's awesome, man. Yeah, cool, bro. Um, I, I, okay, so like this moment happened, and then <clears throat> not too long after this, this is what I read on the XPW Wikipedia page. Uh, Go Funk Yourself 2000. You got Terry Funk and Candido in the main event. There's a great match with Supreme and um, uh, um, Messiah. Uh, that was the show. That was Terry Funk and Sabu main event. Sabu, sorry, not Candido. Mm -hmm. Sabu. Um, uh -huh. This was a pretty big event. And uh, as I read on the article, it said uh, a high point for XPW. Yeah. But then it said uh, it will be four months until you guys put on another show. Uh, what was going on in that time period? Because things seemed to be going so well at that point, and then there's this gap. Yeah, the gap was tough, and and boy, I, I can almost hear. I don't know if you asked this to Larry about the gap, but I can almost I can hear him now complaining. He was oh man, he he just uh, both of us, you know. But unfortunately, we lost the sports arena, and it was it. I'm not gonna lie, it had to do with the product. You know, the L.A. sports arena is the L.A. sports arena. They, they, it's, it's legit. You know what I mean? Not to say we weren't legit, but we pushed the envelope huge. And, um, and so there was an angle with the West Side, the West Siders. And there was with Carlito Montana who was a, a Cuban gimmick and he was saying the B word to Mexican people and the N word to black people. And if you know the LA sports arena where it's located in LA, like, Oh man, that was just not the right move. And um, it was a storyline and he did Carlito, man. He's one of, Oh dude, talk about an underrated talent, by the way, you only see him in the early days of XPW. That guy was like respected in the locker room, by the way big time and he was he was a talent dude but but um but he, and he was great dude at psychology so he got heat because he was cuban but the hispanic audience was cheering for him and he said like the only thing i hate uh more than a than an n-word is a b-word for mexican and it was like he was basically getting cheers from them, but saying, no, I'm not one of you. I'm Cuban, Holmes, like, you know, and all this. And it was like, it was some heat, dude. So now it was like, people were throwing stuff. Everybody, dude, right? But that, but the member security came back and the guy's like, what are you guys doing? Like, what, what is this, you know? And, and that maybe was the last straw of maybe other things they weren't happy with. 
So unfortunately we lost the sports arena and look at the time it was very difficult to just have another show after being in the sports arena at a small place, very difficult. It was almost like, we can't lose this momentum. We have to go to a grand place now, but that never happened. And the other reason for the lull was, I, you know, I can't answer that completely. Um, but, but the biggest reason that I remember was the LA sports arena. And then that was at the time, probably the biggest missed opportunity in company history was that was when we were promoting Atsushi Onita, Sabu, Exploding Ring, Steel Cage Deathmatch, which would have been the first ever, obviously, and in US history. And man, Onita, Sabu, and there was so much politics, unfortunately, that went on with, with uh, Rob and Kevin and the people from Japan that wanted to come over and set it up. But man, can you imagine if we didn't lose the sports arena and we did that match? Like imagine that at the LA sports arena, the home of WrestleMania two and seven, and, and it's the first ever exploding ring sealed cage death match in America or, or in Western, the Western world, really. Um, I mean, unbelievable, you know? And so I, I will say by far the biggest missed opportunity in, in the company's history. Uh, so that was going on at the time too. And we were maybe focused on that and a little transition time. Again, focused on that, uh, the death match thing, going back and forth, not knowing where to go venue wise, because we got it. We got to kind of stay on par with the sports arena, but you know what? We finally decided to do a show called metal fest in San Bernardino. And that was, it was supposed to be bigger than it was because it was a festival and wrestling. It was all right. You know, sounded bigger than it was but no man that lull man Rivera and I because we were doing the show and we were like doing our wraparounds about did you remember what happened in the parking lot when Rocco and Jocko were kicking that box and they found what was in it oh Rivera and then oh and then in the shower Jessica Dart like we're talking about nothing to do with pro wrestling we're we're narrating these skits in the office you know so <laughs> it, it was tough it was tough but but uh, we got through it, and that was good practice too. Actually, though, to kind of improvise and and you know make this crap not so crappy, you know, as best <laughs> as possible. But no, that was a big lull, and like I said, during that lull was unfortunately that Onita Sabu match. Ah, damn. <laughs> that would have been big that would have been great um and uh, the, uh, an answer there uh, uh for a question that somebody asked me when they knew that i was interviewing you that was just answered why there was that portion of time on television where there weren't any matches taking place um <laughs> uh, yeah. speaking of all of this kind of stuff i have more of a broader question here uh is there one storyline or angle from xpw history that you say is your favorite Wow. Oh, you know, you know what I, you know what I, what I really liked. Um, boy, there, there's a few I could pick, but um, um, I liked the genesis and the creation and the explanation of the character Homeless Jimmy. I thought that was very well done. How he was a student 
the love of his life left him and all this stuff. And it was written out and they had footage of him walking through UCLA where Kevin Kleinrock was actually still going to school at the time. So he had Jimmy down there and doing all that. And I thought that was, that was, that was nice, dude, because that was a great way to introduce and create your own homegrown talent. And that added to his appreciation by the fans. Jimmy was over, man. That guy was, that guy was over. Homeless Jimmy, dude. Great, great. Shout out to him, too. One of the, one of the great, great dudes in XPW. A good friend, man. I like to call him. And, um, uh, dude, he was just the best in and out of the ring. And, and he, um, he, he was that guy, he was homeless Jimmy and the audience just loved him, man. And I, and I really got to give a lot of credit to how they developed that story, how they told it, the vignettes and all that. And it was very believable. And it was, it was like a movie script. If you go back and look at those early TV XPW episodes, I, I uh, encourage people to do that because I, I was very, there are moments in the company where you're very proud of being a part of this. And those were those moments for me, you know? Yeah, cool, bro. Cool. <laughs> uh, so you have that bit of a lull there in, in 2001, just as things were cooking with gas. Uh, you get towards early 2002. Here's a here's possible like an opportunity to to get uh, things rolling again as you're heading towards freefall on February 23rd. Have to ask about it because geez, it's such a crazy moment in wrestling history. New Jack Vic Grimes scaffold match. Uh, I, we you know we interviewed uh, New Jack uh, on on the show. We didn't ask him about it because he's been asked about it a million times. But uh, we just asked it. You know, he and Vic ever talk after that, and he said no. But no, yeah. <laughs> uh, I wanted to know just from your perspective when you saw it happening, when you saw it taking place, uh, what went through your mind? <laughs> wow, I mean, hang on a second. Oh. <laughs> wow, no, really, I mean that. Wow. Um, by the way, another cheap plug. The Wrestling Chatter YouTube channel. Subscribe today. And on the episode of Extreme Memories where I interview Vic Grimes, keep in mind, I when I interviewed him, New Jack was actually still alive when I interviewed him. Just like a month before he died, or two months, whatever. But um, he actually, in that interview, that was the first time he basically kind of, he publicly apologized. If he, if he ever did anything wrong to new Jack or whether he even needed to apologize to him is debatable, but Vic Grimes is, is another sweetheart, just like Jimmy. And, uh, and uh, not a bad bone in his body. And thankfully all the bones are still intact, but, uh, but he, he had a, a heartfelt moment because he doesn't do many interviews either. Vic, he kind of did that as a favor uh, for me. And I appreciate that. Um, but, but he, he took that opportunity while Jack was still alive. So, I, you know, whether Jack saw that, I hope, I hope he did, or I, I hope at least if he didn't see it, someone got, he got word of it, you know, that, that Vic apologized, but, um, oh man, California, I will tell you, dude, that the lead up was, was intense, you know, TV shows leading up to free fall and all that, but it wasn't real. We were talking about it for so long, but then when we got there, it was like, oh shit, this is really happening, you know? Dude, walking into the Grand Olympic with that scaffold, like, 
they were up by where the lights are. Yeah. You know, where the ring lights are. And um, unreal, you know. And so, I mean, I have to bring this up. I mean, I think in a lot of people's minds, I think you couldn't help but think of Owen Hart. I mean, I mean, you don't want to think that, but it was impossible for that thought not to cross your mind uh, subconsciously or consciously, you know, um, it was scary, dude. It was, it was like, it felt like, oh, you know, we go to, yeah, this is going to be an awesome big show. It's like, you were feeling that, but you were also feeling, oh, fuck, dude, we got to do this. Like it was, it was so many emotions and it was, it felt like before it even happened, I, I swear to you, I felt like this is like a portion of history that's happening right now that's going to be around forever. Like I remember feeling, feeling that at the time, like, and that was actually, we, we called that, that was with Juan Tastico, the Rivera, uh, who replaced Rivera. He and I were calling that live. We called that a show live. And, uh, oh man, and, and keep in mind during the show, the scaffold was wobbling like throughout the show. It was yeah. like, oh fuck, dude. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Like it was the most unsettling feeling uh, I've ever been a part of at a, at a wrestling show really to lead up to something. And um, the fans were like, basically kind of trusted that this is a regulated show and everything's fine but we we lied to the fire marshal to get that to make that happen we we changed paper dates and all that because <laughs> no one yeah that's and that's a true story uh xpw producer mike hartsfield uh uh basically admitted when i interviewed him on extreme memories is that now nah, he kind of finagled some paperwork showed it to the fire marshal and it's like, wow, I can't believe it, but you guys are approved. Good luck. And that was it. And we're on with the show. And man, um, the wobbly stuff, that was the whole show, you know, and uh, nerve wracking. And when they were up there, it was like we were calling the match and we're like, we, we, I didn't, I, it was hard to call it because we're calling it like it's a real sport, right? What we're talking about. Yet, we're kayfaving that it's pro wrestling, but yet within that context, it really is a real event, you know? And, and um, so I was calling it, but there was a lot of what I was saying <laughs> that was like real, you know, like, God, please have mercy on their both men's souls. And, and both these guys realize just how high up there they are right now. And, and I was like really feeling that way, you know? And, um, but when he got launched, when he got launched and I, I did my scream and then that was it. And I, I threw, that was it. I was, what more can I say now? I don't even know what's going on if he's okay, you know? And, uh, and it then it kind of ended up making it more dramatic when, when that happened, when I, when I just, we stopped talking, you know what I mean? And that was, that was not planned or anything. We, I just really like F this, you know what I mean? Like, all right, you saw it. I don't need a comment announce this anymore. And um, almost out of respect too, to see if he was okay in a way, you know? So I did not know if he was dead or not, did not know at all. And the thought that he could very well be dead, it was, it was very likely that he was dead. 
you know what I mean? And and it was just this this uh, angst, this this like until you found out, and then it found out, and then it was like you were like, wow, we pulled it off. And, but I remember thinking too, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, like we all we just almost killed a guy for the sake of the entertainment, man. It, uh, you know that that my friend is was I remember thinking that thought all the while thinking I know I just felt like this is a major part of history at least pro wrestling history and it is still it's you know the top 10 most craziest moments that's always on the list you know um that's that yeah you felt that I don't know how to explain this to you but I felt this like greater awareness of like this is a historic moment like you just felt it when it was happening and um and and again it was what the hell what are we doing i remember thinking that like is this right what we're doing like i don't know man but um you know that's one thing too i'll add to that um the fans when i talk to fans a lot of them say dude you know what uh Klaus, I miss XPW because I miss going into those arenas with that element of danger. And I don't know what's about to happen. Like, dude, I miss those days. Da, da, da. And I've had a, a few, quite a few people in their own way, basically say that exact same thing. Like, I just miss that element of, of uh, this feels so unregulated, kind of dangerous. And, and, yeah, I mean, of course, they're going to feel that way with something like that. And all the fire spots and Supreme getting let on fire and and all the crazy stuff that we did it for the sake of violence, for the sake of doing it, and for the sake of entertaining those uh, that were definitely entertained by it. And but it was just it was it was there were a lot of uneasy, unsettling moments throughout XPW for sure, you know, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you make a great point there. I mean, I obviously I never got the chance to see a show live, but the the, the kind of uh, element of danger is like kind of when you're going to go see like uh, Guns and Roses or something back in the day when Axel Rose was, you never yeah. knew what he was going to do next because you know he might jump in the crowd in St. Louis and start punching people out, <laughs> you know, so start another riot or be several hours late to the to being on stage. It, that's a, an element that's totally. Uh, I feel missing from wrestling today oh. is like you, you don't have that element of danger because you know the next thing someone's getting all upset about it. And, and you know what, just to add to that, that I'll go back to heat wave, you know, people have their opinions on it and that's fine. Um, and I can see both sides to it. Um, but that wasn't even our show. And you had this unregulated, this isn't supposed to happen element of danger and surprise just by us being there. And that is the most memorable, no disrespect to the, to the, to the uh, bookers and, and the athletes, but that was the most memorable thing of that show for sure. Like, like um, uh, we, 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 we brought realism even to their show, we brought realism. And, and look, at the end of the day, Vince McMahon acts, uh, the, the person plays a role, Mr. McMahon. Eric Bischoff plays a role. Uh, the evil, you know, Eric Bischoff, the head of WCW, NWO, Paul Heyman played a role. Rob Black is one and the same, dude. That's him. 
like that's him. And so that's kind of, that represents really what we were about. That kind of really is us. You know, we went to ECW and we made it feel dangerous and this isn't supposed to happen type thing. So I think that is an example, just like the Grimes, the scaffold, that was an example of the same exact thing, but for ECW, we actually brought, you know, when you look back on it, that was us bringing to them that element of realism, surprise and danger. And you know, the thing is now, there's no way you could tell this to the ECW fan base back in the day, but now we're finding out so much more how WWF, WWE was connected and working with ECW, you yeah. know? If, if the fans knew that back in the day, dude, uh-uh, man, because that was, you know, screw the big corporate uh, <laughs> WWF and WCW, we're ECW. Dude, if they, that would have been the biggest, like, that would have been Millie Vanilli moment for pro wrestling. <laughs> and you know what I mean? It would have yeah. been that. So, so I remember thinking back, and we kind of knew this in a kayfabe land back in the day and the backstage we had a good idea that that was probably going on. And then we would try to say to the fans, like you want an alternative league and you really want to support the alternative league. Like it, like it or not, it was us at the time, completely independent from anything else. So it's, it's, I always found that very interesting now that we find out, Oh shoot, that renegade league. Oh, they have big brother was watching them the whole time, you know? <laughs> yeah. I remember when I found that out, like, I think I found it out in the Paul Heyman documentary. I was like, no way. The whole time the rebels were. <laughs> and I, and, 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 and to be, to be honest, California, I was, the fan in me was upset at that too, dude. You yeah. Know? Um, this is in my research. I, I use a website, cagematch.net, to find out certain things. Uh, it, after this show, I believe, I could be wrong, because the internet can be wrong, uh, there were only 13 <laughs> more shows that XPW put together before the end. Um, I want to know, how did you feel about uh, XPW moving to Philadelphia for that portion of time and debuting at the old ACW arena, uh, moving away from the West Coast uh, in August of 2002, or maybe a little bit before that. Yeah, actually, I, I believe that was Hostile Takeover. Yes. Pretty sure you're right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're correct about that, August of 02. Um, it was exciting, man. Now it was like, that. this is awesome. Wow, man, we're, 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 we're truly an, a, a national company now. Um, because we're on everywhere, but now we're going all over, right? So West Coast, East Coast. So that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie, dude. That felt great. Um, the only thing I personally would have changed is, um, well, one, I, I he Rob should never have purchased the old ECW arena because that was um, in the office that caused a lot of. It wasn't a smart move uh, at the end of the day because it financially just wasn't it wasn't good. But uh, um, but I would have um, I would have when I thought this at the time. The only thing I felt bad about was damn, like we're kind of turning our backs on L.A. You know, and yeah. and, the, and and the L.A. fan base finally look really uh, uh, theoretically since since the territory days had their own identity in wrestling and it wasn't until the hollywood wrestling not nwa hollywood i'm talking hollywood gorgeous george grand olympic auditorium before vince took over wrestling this this was and and 
coincidentally enough, here we are at the Grand Olympic Auditorium where all those, old, that old historic, all the footage of gorgeous George and all that, that was at the Grand Olympic, you know? So, so much history there. And uh, Roddy Piper and, and the Tolis brothers and the Guerreros, man, like so much history throughout the Grand Olympic Auditorium. And we were there and man, so that, I can't explain to you how cool it was being an Angelino myself and being a fan to kind of feel this new energy and this new vibe in LA for XPW. It wasn't about, uh, oh, we got to wait till WWF or WCW come to town anymore. It's like, we kind of have our own thing going on here. So that I remember thinking like, oh man, we can't do all the shows over there. But again, we purchased the arena. We had to, we had to, we had to, uh, uh, we had to have vacancy in there with ourselves to make it worthwhile, you know, business-wise. So I remember as excited as I was and as awesome as it was to go into a ring in the ECW Viking Hall and ladies and gentlemen, you know, like that was a great moment. And, and, and seeing that, wow, the crowd here and the crowd in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh or wherever, gosh, they're, they're all paying attention to the same entity. Like it was pretty cool, you know, to, we knew we were broadcast in North America, but now we really felt it. We really felt it like, wow, this is awesome. So, you know, the storyline with Pogo the Clown or whoever, like they're following in LA, they're just as much following here in Philly now. Very cool. Um, and it was exciting being there. It, it was a different energy for sure. It was wild. It was, you know, East Coasters are a little bit more blunt, but LA had more of, um, you know, yo, this is, this is mine. This is my family right here. La Familia, you know, like uh, it was, it was, it was cool, you know? And so I think that was my, my biggest um, takeaway. Uh, my, my biggest takeaway uh, as far as thinking anything negative about that was only one thing. And that was, dissing the LA fan base and I I would have done one month Philly one month LA one month Philly one month LA which is what we were going to do when Joey Styles came in if you want to know about that but but um um yeah I had a missed opportunity for me too with Joey Styles because the plan was eventually he came in he was going to call the uh, east coast matches I was going to call the west coast matches right. and then on the paper and on the pay-per-view, we were going to come together. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And I love Joey. Joey's a great friend still. I still, I'm still in contact with him. Um, he's pretty much out of the business now, but, but uh, yeah, I, oh, I was looking very much forward to that, you know, to call him, call him the action with him. But unfortunately that was, you know, it wasn't in the cards, but, um, but I would say the, the, yes, it was exciting. It was great, man. It was awesome going to Philly, but just like, oh, you can't, you can't diss the LA fans like that. Yeah. That's what I was kind of thinking you might've might say, uh, cause you know, geez, I wonder how those fans were feeling, but yeah, good point. And, and <clears throat> that was going to be my next thing was, was bringing up the fact that Joey was brought in uh, because, <clears throat> excuse me, Wikipedia again said that you were dropped from the announcing booth. Wikipedia is so full of shit sometimes. Uh, you weren't. You were just going to be doing uh, the West Coast shows. He's going to do the East mm -hmm. Coast shows. That now, now I've just learned something. So there we go. <laughs> uh, what, <clears throat> what was the reason behind uh, Joey leaving um, after being there? Um, 
you know, I, I, I remember that, well, we were with the, the, what it was, was we were on TV and he was from New York, Joey Styles, Chris Kloss from Los Angeles and Roxanne Hall from London, England. Right. So this was a female announcer we were going to bring in. She was a porn star. <laughs> she was, she was talent, porn talent, Joey Styles. I think that was the icing on the cake where he didn't realize he wasn't told that he was <laughs> working with a porn girl and, and, you know, he wasn't down for that. So, uh, it was that it was not probably not just that, but I think it was more that I got, I, I'm pretty sure I got this right. Uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, Joey, but I'm pretty sure this is correct, which is, uh, it wasn't, it was that he was like teamed up with this porn girl, but no one told him about it. And, and and that was kayfabe to all of us. I didn't even find out till later that she was an adult film actress, you know. So, um, but that was pretty kind of it, you know. I mean, but Joey was fine. He was he was having fun there. He, he Shane Douglas really was the one that brought him in, and um, I didn't know at first what was going to happen. So I was a little like, hey, what what do you what are you all about, Joey? You know, you know, like what's up. And he couldn't have been more respectful. He's like, hey, Chris, you know, I'm, I'm coming in to do this, but I, I just want you to know, I, I understand this is, you know, you've been here since day one and this is, this is your baby, not mine and all that. So he couldn't have been more cordial at all. He, 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 was, he was very great. And uh, so it was decided after he did Exit Sandman, I want to say, the, the show in Philly, he, he called that show. And, and then the decision because of that was made I'm, I'm going to be calling the West Coast shows. And then, so we had our pay-per-view, but by the time it happened, things were already falling apart. So the pay-per-view was made into a best of XPW. Oh. Um, yeah. And that was already basically, what was it? April of April or May of 03, I think it aired. Um, maybe May, maybe June. I don't know, right around there sometime. But, but yeah, man, that was, I was, so I was, I was very excited for that. I welcome. Yeah. Come on in. Like I, and I was kind of bummed when he left. Cause again, like I said, it was, it was already in, in the works that that's what we were going to do. And I was, Oh man, I was looking forward to that. You know, East coast, West coast, boom, come together. Like couldn't have been, it could have been, it couldn't have been a better scenario uh, planned out, but again, just didn't happen. So. Right. Well, there we go. Now it's uncovered because when I read it on Wikipedia, I was like, oh, that's not really fair. He's been there since day one and he just gets dropped. But now I know. <laughs> I think I think in all in all fairness, California, the the um, the Wikipedia look at the end of the day, it, it never happened where we called the matches together. So I could see how they yeah. uh, just don't know that part of the history because that that was only us, you know. Yeah, fair enough, bro. Um, okay, I, I, I've, I've taken up quite a bit of your time and I really, really appreciate it, bro. Um, uh, there were a few other things I wanted to talk to you about, but I'll, I'll, I might omit some things and maybe uh, get you back on again um, one day. I, I did want to talk a bit about Wrestling Society X, but maybe it might be nice if I could get you and maybe Kevin together to talk about that together because i don't want to gloss over it and skim through it because that is a memorable thing as well um but, but back to xpw before we we start talking about uh current day uh stuff when did you first know that it was over and, and how did that make you and, and the xpw crew feel 
oh you know that was that was yeah dude that was not fun that was that was uh it was a big time bummer i'm not gonna lie and uh we kind of didn't see it coming uh in the wrestling side of it but then when you look at all the stuff rob was getting involved with rob black with the federal government i mean you know he could at that point not even keep the core product afloat which was the adult extreme associates you know that was the money that was the cash cow so um it was just unfortunate and we did have plans to keep going on of course um but no i mean i don't know what more i could say other than um yeah, just it was it was not it was it was you know it all everything happens for a reason though. Like, you know, I went on to move to New York after that, came back from New York, did Wrestling Society X and all these other things happened and and uh but at the time, man, it was ah, uh, you know, it's like it's like the 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 family is is done, you know, we're we're all moved out of the house, you know, and and so it was a bummer. Um and but as time went on, it was like, you know, XPW wasn't around that long, but it feels like it was, especially experiencing it. But looking back, and I think again, going back to the uh, first part of the interview, it was um, it, it was such it was happening in such a big point in history of pro wrestling history that chunk of time. So, but um, but yeah, man, and. Um, Man, it was a bummer, but hey, you know what? We had wrestling XPW 2.0 and uh, Cold Day in Hell and, and yeah. uh, the XPW X, uh, XPW 10, the 10 year anniversary. And now we got XPW 3.0. So <laughs> I, I believe I, I'm kind of surprised this whole thing's coming back and, and I am going to be a part of it. And there, there's going to be a few other XPW originals. It's going to be really nice to see all of them and also see this new crop uh, that's being developed. So pretty exciting. Absolutely. I can't wait to ask those a couple of questions I've got about the, the new XPW. There's just one thing I really wanted to ask you because I've never been able to find anything out about this. Uh, a, a few years back, Shane Douglas was starting something up with uh, a guy uh, called Bill Townsend classic classic wrestling revolution uh i was in the facebook group i was one of the first people to join the little facebook group when i had facebook because i was like okay i want to see what this is going to be about i was excited i couldn't ever get an answer from anyone uh no one seemed to know why didn't it happen what happened there wow um uh i can send you a, a snapshot if you want to insert it uh uh myself and roddy piper because we were the we were the announced team and uh boy man um it was a long list of things uh but but one of them started with piper's unfortunate untimely death and we recorded the pilot episode uh up in point wainimi where nwa hollywood already has a setup so we used that as um uh, the pilot episode and there's a match on youtube between uh cult tombs and Rocky Romero, I don't know if it's easy to find, but I'll send it to you. And it's 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 the uh, rough cut of myself and Piper on commentary, man. And uh, so we called that, we did the pilot, and then we were on, a venue was being built in Las Vegas for us. Yeah, right. You know? Right, and um, which, which now it's been built and other promotions are doing shows there. But uh, 
but man, it was, this was a big deal. Bill Townsend, he started one of the guys who started LinkedIn and Lycos, like he big time, you know, like, like, uh, AEW's type money. He has billionaire, multi-billionaire. He was worth about seven to 9 billion. Uh, Bill was cool too, man. Cool, cool dude. And, uh, still in contact with him to this day. Um, but, uh, Piper, we, we filmed the pilot, I want to say June of 2015. And I actually went to Europe on vacation right after that happened for about three weeks to a month. Dude, I was in Florence, Italy. And I see on CNN, BBC, Roddy Piper died. I'm in, I'm in Italy and this is worldwide news. And I just did commentary with him, got to know him, his family. And I, and I, I was set to come back and, and we we're gonna continue it. And this is what I find out there, man. And I was like, oh, devastated for multiple reasons. And uh, really, it was just so sad and heartbreaking. And, and uh, like I said, it, God, he was awesome, dude. He was just a regular dude. Like to this day, you could see like he never forgot his roots or uh, struggling growing up and he had his struggles. And you could see that, man. And, and, uh, and he complimented me, dude, which like, oh, man, I couldn't like, because he didn't, he, I don't know if he was familiar with me. Uh, but after we did the matches, he's like, oh, my gosh, you, you, do you, you know, you, this is good. And I'm like, dude, don't, don't keep talking, man. I'm going to cry, dude. You know, it's like, <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, but, um, that was, you know, I talk about all XPW wrestling society X or so many great moments, but that moment with Piper just on that pilot, it's gotta be top three in my career, dude. Uh, calling him, calling action with him. And I was talking to him about they live the movie, they live like good stuff. And I was good conversation with them. Um, but, um, but no, man, he passed away. Um, fast forward, Jake, Jake Roberts um, was going to be his replacement. So I met up with Jake and one of the other producers, Christo Garcia, who now works for the Golf Channel. But he was a big he was the other guy involved. And I'll, I'll send you a picture of that if you want to insert that, too. Um, but man, um, Piper ended up dying. Then China was brought on board. She ends up passing away. Oh, my God. Then then like one of the uh, investors, he passed away. And then like the number one investor, he passed away. So this was starting to feel a little, just something was not right, you know? And, uh, you know, ultimately it came down to the investors um, that weren't with us anymore, uh, literally and figuratively, that it was just a, a, a cluster of things added up as to why unfortunately that never took off man but but roddy piper shane douglas road warrior animal uh again the late great animal and um uh piper uh china jake roberts like a lot of a lot of old school names were already signed up roddy piper's son colt tombs piper was so big because remember he wasn't he wasn't like really close with wwe there was a little rift right there at the time and he was all about, man, this is awesome. Everything was, uh, we were, uh, uh, it was regulated. It was, uni- we weren't independent contractors. We, we were taken care of, right? Uh, health insurance, everything. I mean, the contract I signed, dude, I won't get into the money, but man, we were taken care of, dude. 
uh, unbelievable. So Piper was like all for this because of all the stuff he'd gone through in wrestling. He was, you know, never, no retirement, never taken care of. He wanted his son to be in this and this thing to succeed. And he was going to do whatever it took for this thing to succeed for his son and for the young talent. Like, don't be taken advantage of, you know, independent contractor, all this stuff. Like, no, you should be taken care of. And I now know this and all this. So man, he was on board for, for that and many other reasons. Uh, but man, basically, I'll tell you what, we had a contract with Apple TV already, right? And, and basically, in a nutshell, what AEW is, is what we were supposed to be with the money behind us, with the talent, with the, with the, the network affiliations, it was already a done deal. And that and a couple of years later, AEW surfaced, and there were some people with Classic Re Wrestling Revolution that are now working in AEW and a little bit of that format, uh, you know, for, for better, for worse is kind of like, that's how big this thing was already, uh, at least with the backing already was, but I have experience with that, uh, with, with, with things copying other things. Like when I was in WSX and Lucha underground just happened to look a little similar, like there were, you know, <laughs> <All> right, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so but but no man that that was that was basically it in a nutshell with Bill Townsend, Crystal Garcia, Roddy Piper passing, China passing, and, and the two major investors passing. Um, it just it just wasn't it wasn't it wasn't meant to be at least at the time, you know. But what but what an experience, California. Uh, I'll never forget, you know, my my time with Roddy Piper and working with him in the business. Like just an absolute honor, privilege, and can't say enough about that. Yeah, awesome, bro. Yeah, I had to ask about it. Now I know kind of what happened there. So that's great. And yeah, I did search on YouTube uh, and I did see a little bit of footage of you there with Piper. And oh, I was okay, like, cool. wow, like it, that that's something that I'm, I'm definitely going to have to bring up. So that's really cool mm -hmm. that you have Thank that you. memory, sir. Um, <clears throat> again, I, I got another thing to bring up just before we get into XPW Rebirth and California uh, and the future of XPW, what you're up to these days. Uh, this is a little segment I'm calling XPW, Where Are They, Where Are they Now? Uh, I wanted to ask you this because I felt like if, if there's anyone who's going to know, I, I, I reckon Chris Kloss might know, uh, where are they now for some of these people um, <clears throat> and, and what they're up to these days. Um, Angel, the first one I want to bring up. Well, I, I mean, I interviewed Angel on Extreme Memories uh, last year or, or maybe 2020. Um, uh, Angel's not doing too much in wrestling right now. Uh, he was working Lucha Bavoom for a while. And, um, but um, no, he's not doing too much. He's still living here in Southern California. And I don't know too much about what he's doing other than he's really not doing much in wrestling now, but talk about a guy who is like, has nine lives, man. Like, man, like, like to see him looking so great still today and, and moving around and no health problems and all that, like just miraculous, man. But, oh man, like talk about one of the, one of the, uh, one of the underrated guys, as far as like taking big bumps and all that, you know, because everyone was so focused on his character, which was phenomenal. Great, great television, great entertainment. Uh, and he, you know, that's the thing. He'd be very controversial now, you know, we couldn't yeah. quite, quite do a homosexual character with with the tongue-in-cheek kind of joking around about it 
I mean, dude, we would, Rivera and I would be so canceled now, like, oh God, what is he doing? Disgusting, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I mean, well, maybe not, maybe not, but, but, but it was almost to the point where like, yeah, it, it, it was, can't be done now, but no, he's doing great. Uh, he's still floating around here. Um, and, and like I said, just thank, thank goodness he's not in a wheelchair, you know? Absolutely, bro. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the next person I want to bring up was Crack. Do you know what's happened with him? <laughs> uh, you know, he's still living here in LA. I, I want to say he got married uh, again recently, which it looks like they're very happy. Um, but no, I mean, he's, he's not doing any wrestling, uh, but he's still in SoCal. And he's doing he's doing pretty good. And you know, I, I, I talked to him on, on the Extreme Memories as well. Okay, cool, bro. I'm going to have to sift through the channel and, and find some of this stuff. Uh, sure. Next person I want to bring up, uh, Carlito Montana. Uh, once again, still living in L.A., um, not, not doing any wrestling at the moment uh, and, and doing all right. Again, I interviewed him on Extreme Memories. Um, but, but he is um, – he, he – I'll say again, uh, you talk about guys that were there from the beginning, and, and he was definitely one of the forefathers here for a lot of the guys like Dynamite D for the reason why guys got chances, guys got success, guys got good training, uh, fundamentals, and a respect for the business big time, Carlito Montana. I, I feel like he gets overlooked big time, and I, understandably, is because of his timeline in XBW. He didn't go all that way. So there's only so much you can see of him, but a great talent, a great guy too. Excellent, bro. Uh, only a couple more to go. Uh, Big Rot and Chronic. Uh, have you heard anything about them? Well, uh, uh, Chronic's doing great living in LA, uh, but right now I want to pay tribute to the late, great Chronic. Uh, passed away, unfortunately. And uh, really kind of an uh, ugly situation. He was a bouncer in las vegas and just i don't even want to get into the details but it was yeah. a shameful unfortunate and um that guy was one of the best man like talk about a happy go lucky joking around cracking jokes uh treating everybody the same just good good dude man and you know a great character like you, you watch him out there menacing like he's gonna kill you but in the back, total teddy bear, uh, just good guy, you know. And 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 rest in peace, big guy. Cool, bro. Sorry, I wasn't aware of that. Um, no, it's okay. Uh, it's okay. Cool, bro. Uh, a couple more to go. Uh, white trash, Johnny Webb. Webb, um, uh, Manny Peoples. Um, he he's. I haven't talked to him actually. I was reaching out to him. Uh, so you're welcome to be on Extreme Memories Web if you see this. Um, so I, I can't tell you too much about him. I don't. I really don't know if he's doing stuff in wrestling right now or not. I, I can't tell you, but I know he's still living out here and he's he's still kicking and doing good. I guess you know. Okay, cool. And the last guy I wanted to bring up was Damian Steele. Well, another guy who I've been trying to get a hold of too uh, to do Extreme Memories. Uh, if I knew, if I got him on an interview, I could answer that question. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering as you are and all the best to both those guys and hope they're doing well. And I hope to talk to them soon. So. Excellent. Very excellent. Okay. Well, um, we're, we're done with that segment now. Okay. Finally, time to talk about XPW, as you said, 3.0 here, uh, in 2022, um, 
<clears throat> tell me a little bit about the first show uh, when you were first contacted by Rob to be a part of it, all of that stuff. Let's learn a little bit about the return of XPW. Well, it was this past summer. I mean, I was actually at the beach uh, with my dog, uh, my literally my dog throwing the ball and I get back in the car and there's a message from Rob Black, you know, and uh, and Herrick Kloss were, hey, 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 you know, it's time, it's time, we're starting up again. Oh my gosh, you know. And um, so I called him back and we basically kind of went over everything and I agreed to do it and and um, be a part of it. Uh, along with Danny Ramirez, Manchichi referee and, uh, and uh, Matt Cross, who was there back in the day as euthanasia. Uh, Willie Mack, who was kind of unofficially there uh, back in the day as a fan. And so was TJ Perkins back then. Um, but um, no, man, it was like, okay, let's see where this goes. And, you know, I always, I always said, you know, say people can not like or like Rob Black and that's fine. But at the end of the day, you know, he, he, he gave us a platform, you know, and, and no one can argue that. So, um, you know, absolutely. I'd be happy to do this and, and see some young talent get a chance to uh, be showcased and, uh, you know, if anything else, it's for the new guys, the new crop, and to pay tribute to the to the guys that uh, Supremes, Chaoses, Messiahs, Jimmys, Webs, Pogos, all the guys that paved the way for this, for that identity to be what it is. And then, like the Willie Mac, like that was the shoot, man. He was like in the back, man. He was, oh, yeah, you know, like and here he's on TV and all that, but he was still like, oh man, you know, like. All that is very, it's 100% true. You would take the bus, South Central, come to the sports arena and check out the shows. And, and with, the, with, the few, uh, with the few bucks he had in his pocket to get on that bus and, you know, and, and he believed in himself and man, he was determined and man, he just, you want, it's like, you want, it's one of those guys you see, I, I want you to succeed so bad, you know, and he's yeah. one of those guys, you know. Um, so if anything else, you know, I'm doing this for the new crop coming up and, and, and an honor for me to announce for a whole new generation of guys coming up now, you know? Yeah, cool, bro. Yeah, I, I watched Rebirth. I really did enjoy the show. I'm excited to see what comes next. What comes next is California uh, coming up, uh, I believe, in April. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about, you know, this upcoming show? Let's plug everything that's going on with XPW yeah. and the future of the company. Well, um, just to let everybody know, uh, well, XPW is returning. Uh, it already returned, but this time it's going to return to LA in nearly two decades. XPW is back in LA, and it, yeah, like you're right, it, you, you are right, Saturday night, April 9th, 2022, from the Derby Room in Pomona, California, at the Pomona Fairplex in LA County there. Uh, but the difference between this and Rebirth Rebirth was kind of a feeling out process, you know, and we were very restricted as far as having an XPW type show, as you know, being in the state of New York. So the state, uh, state athletic commission, it was just, uh, we were kind of walking on eggshells the whole show back there because they were there monitoring us and all that. But speaking of that, this, there will be a 16 man king of the death match tournament. So now XPW is is kind of like okay now it's really back and um 
uh, I'll, I'll list a few guys, Necro Butcher, uh, Masada, Schlack, Hoodfoot, Matt Tremont, Big Eppin' Joe, Sage Sin Supreme, Pagano, Sledge, Vincent, uh, Eric Ryan, Lucky 13, Dirty Ronald McDonald, uh, Juicy Fanua, uh, Fanua and, and a, a whole host of others. Uh, also appearing, Stylus Young, Willie Mack, XPW Originals, Jasmine St. Clair, Veronica Kane, Jessica Darling, Vic Grimes, Pogo the Clown, Patrick Hernandez, Danny Montici Ramirez, and yours truly. And um, so, um, yeah, dude, this is going to be uh, a big night. And, and it's going to be um, back to the roots, so to speak, more so than Rebirth. And uh, uh, it's going to be on Fight TV. Um, but again, uh, tickets, go to TIX.com for tickets. Uh, thexpwwrestling.com and all social media is at thexpwwrestling. 5 p.m. doors open, 7 p.m. bell time. It will be streaming live on Fight TV. Remaining tickets for this start at $40, go up to $85. So those are the ones remaining still. Um, but yeah, it's going to be April 9th. We're right around the corner, about a month, a little less than a month away. Uh, uh, Saturday night, April 9th in Pomona, uh, world famous Derby Room in Pomona. So um, I mean, yeah, dude, I'm I'm very excited for this and. Uh, boy it's like talk about a time capsule you know um you know to see all the guys and again to see that we're doing the uh death batch tournament um uh you you, you won't be disappointed uh, there are going to be some surprises and um man just put your seatbelts on because um you know death matches too today a lot of the death matches from yesteryear, some some of them pale a little bit. What the guys are doing now today, yeah. it's going to be wild, man. It's 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 uh, you know there's going to be no holding back uh, on this event, you know, because we're not restricted this time. We're in California, we're in LA, uh, much looser uh, laws here um, in comparison to New York for rebirth. So, uh, man, looking forward to it. And uh, you should be there. You're California. You should be uh, in California, man. I know, bro. I know. <laughs> it's like, I it's, like it's your it. show. It's your show, man. <laughs> when I saw the name of the show, I was like, this is tailored for me, clearly. Yeah, it was like, and then I saw it. You're, you spell it with a K, right? Yeah. And me too, by the way, with Chris. But, dude, I mean, I saw your name. I was like, wait a minute. That's that's too coincidental, man. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm excited, bro. I'm probably more excited for it than WrestleMania, uh, to be back. Oh, right on. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So everyone that's watching all, everything that Chris has plugged here in the description on YouTube uh, for the Extreme Memories, uh, the Wrestling Chatter, everything I mean, you can see it behind him so i mean it's right there as well um yeah. all of that stuff just look down there and i've got all the information there when this comes out on youtube <clears throat> when it comes out um awesome chris i i've really enjoyed the, the opportunity to talk to you here today i've got one last segment i'm sorry i've i've taken a lot of your time but i've done okay. this with every interview it's called five second frenzy the, the idea is that you answer each question within five seconds it's your favorite this your favorite that here we go chris kloss who is your favorite wrestler of all time uh well, i have to pick one one now oh, bret hart 
<laughs> Excellent. Uh, if you could pick one match that you've called in in your in your career, what's your favorite match? I mean, I, I it's either Sabu and Terry Funk at the sports arena because Terry Funk came up to the announce table and he actually clocked me. Uh, I will never. That's almost that's a Roddy Piper moment. I know it's five seconds, but I, I guess <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say the scaffold match. <laughs> okay, cool, bro. And by the way, no pressure. If if you break the five <laughs> seconds, uh, there's nothing. All I can right. do anyway. <laughs> um, okay, bro. Moving away now from wrestling. Favorite book? Oh my gosh, um, I would probably say um, "Human Race: Get Off Your Knees" by David Icke. Very nice. Uh, favorite TV show. Uh, all, my favorite sitcom of all time, oh, man, it's either Taxi or Sanford and Son. I don't know which one to pick. I'll, I'll go with Red Fox, Sanford and Son. Excellent. Uh, favorite film? Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? Uh, uh, they Live. <laughs> Excellent choice. Uh, favorite musical artist? Scorpions. Oh, brilliant, bro. Brilliant. Uh, favorite food? Indian food. Very nice. Uh, favorite place to eat on the road? Oh, my gosh. Um, in and out. Very nice. I've, I've never had it and I really want to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, man. I don't want to salivate for a minute. Uh, the next one, uh, I'm not sure if you're much of a drinker. It's supposed to be favorite alcoholic beverage. If not, your favorite beverage in general. Uh, I mean, uh, my favorite drink, I mean, it's just pretty simple, vodka soda. Very nice. Uh, the second last one here, Chris, is the naughtiest one of Five Second Frenzy. Your favorite female body part. You see a good-looking lady. Where does Chris Kloss's eyes go to first? Well, let's pay tribute to the great Lizzie Borden of uh, uh, Major Guns. You got to go with the boobs. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fantastic choice, bro. And the last one here on Five Second Frenzy, favorite curse word. Oh, fuck. I don't know. Oh, there, yeah, there it is. Okay. <laughs> Excellent answer, bro. And that is the number one answer if this were Family Feud. Uh, Chris Kloss, I want to thank you so much for your time on this show. Uh, I know I asked for an hour. I ended up getting uh, nearly two hours from you. So thank you so much. I know it's late there right now. Um, I really appreciate your time. I'm so thrilled to see XPW back, to see you back, uh, you know, and, and in, in a company that I'm able to see uh, on Fight TV, et cetera. Yeah. So excited. You are incredibly underrated. Everyone out there, the most underrated play-by-play -play oh, guy in wrestling history, as far as I'm concerned. Thank you so much, Chris, for everything. Thank you. That I, I really thank you very much. That means a lot. Uh, I appreciate that. And it was it was all my pleasure being here tonight. Thank you for having me, man. You're welcome, bro. And thank you, everyone out there, for watching the Insider's Edge podcast here. I'm California alongside my new friend, Chris Kloss, and we will see you down the road. Thank you. Hey, network, that's the way we play. Get puppies. Hey, network, that's the way we play. Get all of the announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network.